ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Okay, this is the Books of the Year uh, podcast. Thank you for downloading us. Uh, in a few days' time, you get to hear the full pod with Alex Michaelides, who has written The Silent Patient. It's a debut novel. You're going to want to have this. Uh, a lot of buzz about this book. So you'll hear that full conversation uh, coming up fairly shortly. Meantime, Alex gets to ease his way into the podcast with our uh, famous question and answer session thing. Are you ready for this, Alex? Yeah, Okay. so. Is it, are, they, are these questions quite tough, or do the do the answers just sort of spring instantly to mind? Well, I like the idea of it because it's kind of like a quiz where there's no wrong answer. Correct. Hopefully, unless unless you tell me there are wrong answers. I, I may, if you get it wrong, <laughs> I certainly, certainly tell you. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Let's have a go. Okay. Uh, question number one: What was the last book that you really, really enjoyed? And as I say every week, the second really is quite important because just really enjoying something is not good enough. It, can it be a play? Uh, yes, let's break the rules. Oh, are you sure? Okay. Yeah. Then it would have to be um, The Inheritance by Matthew Lopez, um, which I went to see twice, and then a friend bought me a copy, and I, I read recently. And um, I've become quite evangelical about it, really. I just think it's the most marvellous writing. It's the, most, it's the most brilliant play I've ever read, hands down, for sure. It's really, really long, hundreds of pages, two parts, seven hours on stage. Um, but it's like discovering sort of a young Tennessee Williams before the, the speed injections and the booze got to him. It's, it's emotional, moving, heartbreaking, brilliant, just, just brilliant. Would you have got all of that if you'd read it before you'd seen it? I think I would have got about 80% of it. Definitely the, uh, the production was incredible. Stephen Daldry directed it and did such an amazing job. But um, the writing itself is just phenomenal. It leaps off the page. I went to see the... Um we're diverting a little bit here, but I went to see the Harry Potter plays just a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, in the cafe, let's call it, uh, at half time in between the two plays, the family at the table next to us were going to see The Inheritance. And they were as excited about that as we were about seeing the Harry Potter plays. So That's really surprising because I had to be dragged kicking and screaming to see The Inheritance. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I just thought eight hours of, of drama, about a lot of it about death, I just thought I can't handle this, um, and I, I I loved it so much. I went back a second time. Why? So. Why did you love it so much? Because it had an emotional effect on me that I wasn't prepared for. I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, you know, and both times I went, it was the same. At the in the at the end of part one, strangers were hugging each other. Everyone was just in bits, weeping. People were handing out tissues to each other. It's wow. uh, it's that kind of kind of group experience. It's amazing. Uh, what book do you remember being read to you as a child? Do you know what? 
It was again. It's sort of like I'm kind of slightly sidestepping question. It was a it was a comic book. So, but I guess that counts. Um, it was probably Tintin. My sister, my older sister, used to read Tintin to me all the time, and she used to do different voices and stuff like that. Um, and it it just captivated me totally to the point where I remember once when she was away on a school trip or something, sneaking into her room and taking one of the Tintins off the shelf and trying to do it myself, even though I couldn't properly read. Um, just because I loved it so much. So yeah. that's really that's quite tough to read to someone because it's because it's a cartoon mm-hmm. with bubbles out of Tintin's mouth and then bubbles out of. Captain Haddock's mouth yeah. and, different, and all the different accents, which she took great delight in, in doing as well. So. Wow! So that was, so you would have been peering over her shoulder or something, looking yeah. at the pictures. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And then she would read that. Well, yeah. I don't think we've ever had anyone saying that. She's just done it again now with her her daughter, who's uh, you know about five or six years old. Did she do it with any? any <laughs> did she do it with asterisks or something if needed? Yeah, I think we did kind of sometimes go into asterisks, but I th- I think Tintin was more kind of um, I don't know. I, I think I think the storytelling in Tintin is so marvelous. You know, it's just a in terms of, te- you know, an adventure, you know, construction, all that kind of stuff. Okay, question number three. The book that you would love to step inside of? I think there's two. I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is um, is Der- um, Gerald Doyle's childhood in uh, My Family and Other Animals and Corfu um, because it was so idyllic and beautiful and just so evocative. Um, the animals, the, the countryside, it's just the sunshine, just magic. Um, and in terms of people, I think it would probably be Mitfordland, um, you know, uh, Pursuit of Love, Love in a Cold Climate, uh, just because I've grown up with those characters and uh, I really love them. And it'd be great to kind of live with them, like Lady Montdor or Linda Radlett's probably my favourite character in fiction. So, yeah. Is is part of that you looking back to your childhood because you grew up on... In Cyprus, yeah. In Cyprus. Yeah, is yeah. that part of the reason why you... Maybe because it was sort of like the idealised, you know, romanticised version of my childhood. Um where his family were kind of glorious eccentrics and mine were just eccentric. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How long do you give a book or do you always finish it? Is there a cutoff point after 50, 100 pages or whatever? You'd be horrified if you could see my dining table at home right now because it's got about 17 piles of precariously stacked books that I'm about, you know, a third of the way through. Um, How many of those are yours? As, as, in, in, as in your book? Uh, most, most, most of them. Oh, my book. No, none of them are my book. Um, they're all books that I'm trying to read to help me write the next book in a way um but i'm i tend to reread a lot um and i try and finish books if i start them i'm very kind of choosy about starting books and so i think i commit to them really so even if you're unimpressed and you've done 100 pages you would carry on yeah but like i said i'm really quite choosy in that in that i tend to read i've got such a you know i studied english at university and so i have a huge guilt complex about all the, the great books that i should have read that i have not read and so when I do kind of commit to reading a book, it's usually something like Dickens or, or Henry James or even more or something like that, you know. So the chances of it being rubbish at page 100 are quite slim. So your book is The Silent Patient. How many copies of that do you have, finished copies, do you have at home now? I have an unopened box that Orion sent me the other day. How exciting was that? It, it was incredibly exciting, yeah. <laughs> Nothing more exciting than opening that first Oh, if it's unopened, then you don't... Well, I mean, I, I, I opened it, but I didn't take them all out and hug them. You know, I opened it and looked at... Looked at were they all wrapped in cling? They were kind of, you know, bubble, bubble wrap at yes. the top. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's an incredible feeling. It's kind of gets... gets it's, it's annoying because I'm losing the, uh, the newness of the excitement now. You know, with every new copy you see, you kind of becomes less... Oh, it's that again. Thrilling, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what was the first book you bought with your own money? Um, it would probably be I think I've got a very strong memory of buying of going to the bookshop in Cyprus with my mum and buying um, Strong Poison by uh, uh, Dorothy L. Sayers when I was maybe 10 
Okay. Uh, I don't think I uh, I was able to fully read it or understand it till I was about eighteen, I think. But I, what, I do you, why did you why did you pick that? I think I liked the cover. I think it was some kind of cracked eggs and arsenic. And I just thought, yeah, that looks good. Oh. That's pretty impressive to be even attempting to read Dorothy L. Sayers at the age of ten. Well, I thought she'd be like Christie, and she's not. As in Agatha Christie? Yeah, she thinks she's harder. So he, had you been reading Agatha Christie? Dip it, yeah, definitely. I've been kind of di- I think I read them, and then there were none. It's probably the first adult book I read when I was about maybe about 10, 9, 10, something like that. So, but, so you weren't tempted to buy an Agatha Christie? Well, we had them already. Oh, there you go. There you see. Okay. <laughs> uh, who would you say is your favourite thriller writer? Well, um, well, I've just said it then. Um, definitely Agatha Christie, yeah, hands down. Would you cons- so you consider her a thriller writer? Well, you know, again, it's like a movable feast. They, I, when I wrote The Silent Patient, I, I just wrote a book, and I, I thought it was going to be a, a murder mystery. Um, and then I was told that we don't call it that anymore. That's a okay. dirty word. Now we call them thrillers. Um, and then a couple of people have said to me they felt that it was mislabeled because it's not a thriller in those in the tense that you might think of a thriller. Well, I think it's a psychological thriller. That's right. what. Okay. You know, don't you think? I mean, that's yeah. the. Uh, that's the genre that people get, you know, girl on a train, gone girl, that kind of thing. They're the psychological thriller. So I think maybe murder, I mean, murder mystery is true, but maybe it's underselling. Maybe, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. That's interesting. Would you, would you say Silence of the Lambs is a psychological thriller? Uh, it's, <laughs> I'd say it's a thriller. <laughs> right, you see. Okay, that's where I start to but get it, But it's also psychological. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, these genres are sometimes helpful and sometimes not helpful. Uh 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 yeah. Okay. So what's interesting about that is I wonder if most people's intake now, if people come new to Agatha Christie, it'll be because it's on the TV again or Ken Branagh has done a movie adaptation. I would... It'd be interesting to know what the book sales are like for Agatha Christie. I, my guess is they're not huge. Well, you know, there's this whole thing about her being the best-selling author in the world, which I, you know, dearly love to believe. But where, where is the evidence for that? I don't know about. I think a lot of it's spin. To be honest with you, oh. surely not. I know. When was the last time you used a public library? Um, I go frequently to where I live. I write there quite a bit in my local library. You, you okay? So. They're used to you turning up with a laptop, is it, or longhand? Or? Usually I print stuff out and just go and sit there quietly and just read through it and make notes, yeah. So The Silent Patient was written in your local library, or a lot of it? It was written in three places, written on the kitchen table in my flat, um, a Cafe Nero across my flat, and in the library. Yeah, I kind of moved around. Okay, and do you think that'll be the case for the next book? Yeah, it already is, yeah. It was, it was in the cafe today. Spinning round, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your favourite autobiography? Uh, my Guru and His Disciple by Christopher Isherwood. Explain why. Um, well, it's two uh, biographies in one. It's kind of, it's a, it's the story of Isherwood uh, arriving in LA um, and going to the Vedanta Center and finding his, uh, his Swami, who he then proceeded to kind of devote the rest of his life to pretty much. Um, and so it's a, it's a, the biography of the Swami and also uh, Christopher's years in Los Angeles and their kind of life together. And it's about a man struggling trying to find faith um and and uh it's a beautiful book yeah uh, is there a book that always cheers you up you said earlier that you like to reread if yeah. you were feeling a bit gloomy what would you read to cheer yourself uh, uh, yeah so that was the easiest question actually uh wise children angela carter um always i've uh, been reading it every i have to kind of 
stop myself from reading it too frequently so it doesn't lose its magic. So every three years or so, I'll, I'll take it on holiday and read it. Explain the magic to someone who hasn't read it. Oh, it's got everything. It's a, you know, it's got theatre, it's adventure, it's a kind of a generational saga, it's romance, it's mystery, it's it's a joy for for life. Um, and incredible evocative writing. When did you so, read it first? Do you remember? Yeah, I was about 15, 14, 15, I think. And the effect it had on you? Same. It's always the same. So I get really excited when I know that I've got it in my bag and I'm going to read it again. So it's like therapy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, who's the title and author again? Uh, Wise Children by Angela Carter. Finally, a book that you would like to write the sequel to. Sometimes authors do get asked to write another in a best-selling series. Is the, I guess it's another way of saying, <laughs> is there a best-selling series that you or character that you'd like to write for yourself? <laughs> um, I, th- I think I'd like to write the sequel to uh, Turn of the Screw by Henry James. Um, because I quite fancy seeing what the governess does next. Um, I think there could be another another horror story in there somewhere. All right. Uh, the answers uh, to our current Q&A session coming from uh, Alex Michaelides. The Silent Patient is his novel. You'll hear all about that in our next podcast, which will be with you shortly. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, We have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.